Thank you, Debbie. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful for the faithfulness of the Lord? Oh, praise God. Has He been faithful to you? Absolutely He has. Amen. And He will continue to be faithful to you. Amen. In your bulletin, if you will, go ahead and pull out today's study guide. And uh, you'll find it also, if you are following along with version. open your smartphone to the Bible, the little display, the little icon of the Bible, and it's the version Bible app. And uh, you can go to the bottom right, I believe bottom right corner, and uh, tap the more button, and then it'll take you to the second screen and find events. And press events, and then you will find Cassaview Assembly of God live. And we're going to be live uh, in just a moment. Amen. <laughs> Don't you feel good to be alive? Doesn't it feel good to be alive? I mean, if you're alive, it feels good to be alive. Amen. If you're not alive, well, then, you know, you don't know what that's about. Amen. I encourage you, get alive. I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. Amen. Uh, Today, we begin a series of messages that uh, introduces the theme for this year. And our theme for this year is living the Spirit-formed life. Living the Spirit-formed life. And you say, well, I don't really know what that is, Pastor. What are you talking about, spirit form? Well, when you came to Christ, you were born into the family of God, and so you experienced spiritual birth. Everybody with me now? Hadn't lost you yet. So you were spirit-born. And we have learned that you need more than just salvation. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit every day. And so we talk about being filled with the Spirit every day. So you have been Spirit-born. You began your journey being Spirit-born. And hopefully every day you're being Spirit-filled as you fellowship with the Lord. But beyond being Spirit-born and beyond being Spirit-filled, there is a necessity for every believer, if you're going to grow into the image of Christ, you must be formed by the Holy Spirit. And so hence, we're talking about living the Spirit-formed life. In the book of Galatians, it references this very thing. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, my little children, Paul is saying, I'm giving, it's like I'm birthing you. I'm in so much pain for you, I'm birthing you spiritually. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, I'm going to do this in pain for you until Christ is formed in you. Oh, praise God. Aren't you excited about the possibility that the Holy Spirit is working in you to form the very nature and character of Jesus Christ in your life? Amen. Let's talk about for a few moments what this means to be formed, Christ formed in you. What does it mean to be formed? Well, when you look up the word formed, we find the Greek word morpho-o. Say morpho-o. Morpho-o. Or have you ever heard the term morphed? If you're a ninja turtle, you morph into something that you're not, right? Teenage, be- oh, well, that's cartoons. Yeah, anyway, some of you know that. You, you've lived that. Others of you, it's way over your head. To be formed means to be morphed, morpho And it's a word that simply means you are created, you are shaped, you are fashioned, you are molded or made into the image that the Creator is creating. Now, if you're a cook you have, and you want to do something special for the holidays, 
and you make jello, uh, you'll put fruit in it, but you'll often pour that jello into a mold. And you'll, it'll be upside down. You'll pour it into this mold, and then you put it in the refrigerator, and then when it gels, you pull it out in some way. You pull that mold off, and lo and behold, that jello is the very shape of that mold. It has been morphed, morpho. It's been shaped into the image of, of the, the mold. And that's similar to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. God is described in Scripture as being the potter, and we are described as the clay. And we're being formed into the vessel that He is choosing to make us. One of the passages that references this is the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8 declares, And yet, O Lord, You are our Father, we are the clay, and You are the potter, and we all are formed. There's that word again, formed, morpho'o. We are formed by your hand. Amen. So who is doing the forming? God. God the Father. Amen. And how are we being formed? We're being formed. We're being shaped by the hand of God upon us. Now remember that God is in heaven. God the Father is in heaven. And at His right hand is the ascended Christ. Jesus Christ is in heaven. So who is on the earth? The Holy Spirit is on the earth. So as we yield to the Holy Spirit who is here on the earth, as we yield to His presence daily in our lives, and as we surrender our lives, we aren't Lord. No, no, no. He is Lord. As we surrender to He's the boss, we're not the boss. We surrender to the Lordship of Christ. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit daily, as we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, that you begin to grow. And you are growing and changing and morphing, if you will, into the image of Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. It's better than a jello mode. Amen. Now, this is a great mystery how this happens. And the Apostle Paul describes it. Here is a paraphrased version of this description of the great mystery. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 27 in the message paraphrase. I'm not going to read all this. I'll just read part of it. The mystery has been kept in the dark for a long, long time. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just the Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret in signing out, regardless of your background, regardless of your religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is this. Christ is in you. Oh, praise God. So therefore, we can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple, folks. Amen. Christ is being formed in you. Wow. In the Phillips translation, J.B. Phillips he only translated the New Testament. He put it in his own words. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, he says this, But all of us who are Christians, we don't have veils over our face so that we can't see or reflect glory, but reflect like mirrors the glory of the Lord. We are formed. Oh, transformed. How are we transformed? By the Spirit of the Lord in ever-increasing splendor, into His own image. So who is being transformed? We are. We're being transformed. Who is doing the work of transformation in our lives? The Holy Spirit is. The Spirit of God. Amen. 
And so basically, every day, as we yield ourselves to this Holy Spirit who is here on the he forms us or transforms us into the image of the nature and character of Jesus Christ. Scripture describes it as Christ. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. That's what living in the Spirit, the Spirit-formed life is really all about. It's about becoming like Christ. It's about Christ-like character formation in our life. Say the word character formation. Character formation. Amen. Now, here's our text. That was all just introductory stuff. Here's our text. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4. Paul is writing to the Italian church, and he says, We can rejoice too, even when we have problems and trials, because we know that these trials and problems, they help us to develop, uh, King James says, patience. But here this version says endurance or patient endurance. And then this verse says, this patient endurance develops strength of character. There we go again, character development. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Amen. So basically living the spirit-formed life is really all about developing a Christ-like nature or a Christ-like character. It's character development. And who's doing the work? The Holy Spirit is doing the work. And who is He doing the work in? He's doing the work in us. Amen. Now, when I was growing up, <clears throat> living in a pastor's home, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to go to a lot of places I didn't really care about going to. And we went there quite frequently, if you know what I mean. I had a drug problem. I got drugged to church where I wanted to go or not. Amen. Some of you can relate to that. Amen. And, uh, and oftentimes, why do we have to go? We were there this morning. We were there Monday night and Tuesday night. Here's, here's Wednesday night. And then Thursday night too. We got this revival. Why do I have to go? Well, it's good for your character. It's good for your character. I heard that quite often. And... Uh, you know, I kind of whined about those opportunities, and I heard it's good. It helps you to develop character. Now, I tried that same sage advice with my kids when they were growing up. I would hear responses like, but Daddy, I don't want to be a character. <laughs> and somehow, the concept of character has lost its meaning. But I'm here to talk, tell you today that it is the Holy Spirit that is forming godly character in our lives. So this morning, I want to talk to you about character formation, character development by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about what character is, what character is not. Let's talk about what it's not, first of all. What character isn't. Now, a lot of times we get confused over what care, you know, you have character in your life. Now, some of you are characters. We understand that. But uh, we're talking about developing character. Now, often we confuse a person's reputation with their character. But there's a difference. Because when you observe, when you see how a person behaves, how he acts, when they are around us, we normally observe that, or when they're around others, we watch how they act with others, then we can begin to define their character by what we observe, by what we see. We think, well, they're kind of animals. Oh, that person, they are, when they shop at Walmart, and they come out with their shopping cart, they always put the cart back in the cart 
area. They don't just leave their cart by their car. And if you're a Christian, hello, your character is showing. Don't it just drive you up a wall when you come into Walmart and you pull into the slot and there's two shopping carts sitting there blocking your way? You know, why do people, are they just so lazy? I mean, you know, I can understand if it's a handicap deal. I can understand. I'll give them a break. You know, they, they, they have a handicap. They can't do that. But some people, they're not handicapping. They just, they're too lazy to push their crazy cart over into the cart area. Amen. That's good preaching. Now let's move on. How do you determine? You look on the outside and you say, well, people, you know, they, they push their cart in the, into the cart area. They, they, uh, they keep their lawn mowed. They must have good character. And there's things they don't do, you know, and you observe what they don't do. And, and you say, well, you know, they don't smoke or chew or date girls who do. Or, that's the way they used to say it. Amen. They must have good character. And so there's a story that's told in the Old Testament of uh, uh, the first king, Saul, how he messed up and he was rejected of God because he disobeyed. And the Lord told the prophet, now I want you to go to Bethlehem, uh, to the house of Jesse, and I want you to anoint the next king. And Samuel, he follows the Lord and he shows up there at Jesse's house and he has uh, his, Jesse's sons come by. There's several of his sons. The oldest, I think it's Eliab, I believe is his name. He comes by, and Samuel the prophet is thinking, well, this is the one. He's, he's handsome, he's tall, and those are the qualities that King Saul had. He was head and shoulders and, and above everybody else, and so this surely this must be the one. But the Lord told him, the Lord told Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his eyes, because I have rejected him. He's not the one. And so, you know, we, we always look on the outside, but God is looking in a different place. This verse says, the Lord doesn't see things the way that we see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord is looking for your character. He's looking in your heart. Amen. And 3,000 years has gone by now from that time that this incident took place. And the story is still the same. God is still looking at the heart, and we are still looking at the outward appearance. People are often guilty of judging others by the outward appearance. I remember several years ago, we, uh, Marcia and I had moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I, ha- I had uh, accepted a, a position at the Bible college there, and uh, we m- sold our, our house, or actually rented it out, and then we took all of our possessions. And before we left, I went to the bank, and withdrew, we withdrew all of our, our money that we had. We didn't have a whole lot, but uh, several hundred dollars we pulled out. And it was more than I'd had. Uh, you know, I didn't feel comfortable carrying that, so I got a cashier's check. So I had two or $300 cash, and then I got a cashier's check for the remainder. And uh, we moved to Baton Rouge, and our, our furniture was going to be delivered in, in a couple of days. And we, we found the little house that we had previously viewed, and uh, the people were moving out that day. And, and they were loading up, and as we went in to see this beautiful little house that we had toured, we saw how filthy it was. Because when people move their furniture out, there's stuff you didn't see. And let me tell you, Marcia started crying. She says, I can't move into this place. I said, baby, you don't understand. 
We have looked and looked and looked. We were here three days looking for this house. And, and, and there are no other houses. And, and, and we prayed and we felt peace. And, and this is a house that, that we need to move. I will not live in that house. It is filthy. I said, okay. <clears throat> Our furniture will arrive <laughs> in so many hours. I will paint this house for you. And so we went, you know, and, and uh, we pulled out our, our, put on our paint clothes because uh, we had, we knew we'd be cleaning and things. And so we brought some things, went to the uh, Sherman Williams store, bought brushes because we didn't have anything. It was all packed and loaded, bought all the paint things, bought the big five gallon things of paint, you know, for, for renter's paint. And I went to commence to, to we put the, the, the drop claws and the tape and all that. I commenced to starting to paint. Started in one room, went to the next room, went to the next room, went to the next room. And then uh, it's only a two-bedroom little, little house. And I painted the whole thing in about, about four or five hours. And uh, the trim, I had Marcia doing trim and all this stuff. And, and we were going, we were going. And the, the moving truck arrived as I had finished painting the last little bit. Paint was still wet when they were bringing in stuff. Amen. Now, in the midst of all this, as we're painting one day, one full day we're painting, stuff is arriving the next day. At lunchtime, I'm hungry. Okay? Now, we, we didn't really have credit cards. We didn't buy anything on credit cards. We spent all of our cash. So I was running low on cash. But I had this cashier's check. Okay? And so Marcia and I go to the, the bank, local bank, next to the Bible college, and uh, we're in our painting attire and walk in and they looked at us like who did it and ran they wouldn't give us the time of day I had this cashier's check with money more money than I ever held in my hand in my life at that time and uh, uh, you know and I, we want to open an account well you have to have a Louisiana driver's license you can't open an account here y'all understand I've got this cash well we can't cash that that may be a forgery Well, anyway, we just left there, went back to painting, finished up. The next day after our stuff came in, we cleaned all the paint off of our, our, put on our Sunday best attire and went to a different bank. Would never go back into that bank again. Walked into that bank. Oh, Dr. Alexander. Oh, so we are so delighted to see. Oh, and your lovely wife. Oh, yes, Marcia. Oh, we think you're wonderful. Amen. It was like night and day, the difference. Same check in the same hand. But the difference was the appearance, the outward appearance. Man was looking at that. Oh, sir, you don't even need a Louisiana driver's license here. We'll give you a credit card today. You can start using it. Amen. And the difference was outward appearance. And some of you have experienced the same thing. There are parts of this town... Now you get pulled over by the police, it's because of the outward appearance. You don't belong in that neighborhood, and they're, you know, in their stereotype, they'll pull you over for it. Amen. Well, let's get off of that. Amen. You understand what I'm talking about. And that's what we do. We judge. We're guilty, too. We judge by the outward appearance. You ever heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover? You ever... Pulled up a, uh, in the library or the bookstore, you, you found a book, and, uh, and it's the cover that, you know, it looks really great. And you buy that book, or, or, and uh, you begin to, to read that book, and, you know, it's not anything like you thought it was going to be. 
because the cover was so exciting and had a fancy, uh, you know, catchphrase that hooked your attention. And before long, you're shutting that book. You're closing it. You're closing the cover on that book because it's not what it, uh, you know, uh, was intended to be. Somebody said, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And if you're going for a job interview, hello, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. They're going to be judging you by the outward appearance. I promise you that. The first impression. Now, after you get there for a while, you better have more than an impression, first impression. Amen. You better produce. Amen. And you can be fooled by a first impression. We often are. But eventually, you're character will be revealed. I remember several years ago, and and I'm chasing rabbits. I can tell you right now, I'm probably not going to finish this sermon, so don't worry about it. We'll do a part two some other time. I'd rather tell you these stories. Several years ago in Houston, Texas, I was uh, a young college student. I went my first two years to Bible college there and later transferred to Sagu, or it used to be before it was university, it was a college. But Uh, In Houston, I attended Lindale Assembly of God Church. It was on 610, I think it's 610, 610 and I-45, right in that area there, Lindale Assembly. And uh, I was a young collegian, about like Luke, where was Luke's age right here? Uh, Lean, mean, I mean, it wasn't mean. (laughs) I was thin, had hair, and... uh, uh, we, we were, uh, the Bible College guys, we, we attended that church. It's a wonderful church. James McKeehan was the pastor, powerful man of God. He was a disciple of Raymond T. Ritchie, and he was a powerful preaching machine. And uh, loved that church. But they had a strong youth ministry, and uh, I was, uh, was enamored by some of the young ladies that were a part of that ministry. And uh, I think Andre Crouch or one of the uh, singers was coming to town, and, and we bought tickets. Everybody bought tickets to go to this event, and I invited a young lady from the church to, to go, and she was going to meet me there, and, and uh, I do remember that, that part of the story. I can't remember her name. <laughs> she must have been pretty, or I would not have, you know, uh, in any event, uh, but I do remember the event that took place, and it was general admission. You could say it was not reserved seating, and it was in an auditorium downtown Houston, and uh, we arrived early, we stood in line, and when the doors opened, we rushed in, and we got the best seats in the house. I mean, it was front row. We got basically almost all the whole front row because of the group that we were in. Not er- this was before cell phones, and some of the people uh, had not arrived with our group. They were coming. We knew they were coming from work or whatever, and so we reserved some seats for them. And the place was packed. People were coming in, and the place was full. People were milling around trying to find seats. And I'm reserving these two seats. Well, this fellow comes by, a young man with, with his date, and uh, he says, are those seats available? I said, well, no, they're reserved for uh, two young ladies. He said, they're coming, and uh, they'll be here just any moment. And he says, well, you know, he said, well, we've been looking for seats. Do you mind if we just sit down here for a moment? And I said, well, you know, that's fine, but you've got to leave when the girls come because they'll be here. Well, about five minutes goes by, and the girls, they arrive, they come in, and they come down to the front. They knew where we were, and I told the guy, I said, hey, listen, these girls are here for their seats. You're going to have to get up and find you another seat. He said, I paid money to get in here. I'm not leaving. He said, these are my seats. I said, well, you told me. And he said, he said, I paid money. This is my seat. Well, 
my blood pressure has begun to rise. I was a young man. Well, anyway, we had some interchange there. It got a little heated. And I, uh, I summoned an usher. And the usher was kind of a young person, didn't have a lot of, you know, clout. And uh, he got the same information that the guy was giving me, the same runaround. Well, I paid money. I came in. These seats were vacant. They're mine. I, I'm staying. And so, long story short, the, before I left, and the usher said, well, I'll, I'll get you some seats. Well, I said, well, these are the best seats. I, I, she said, I've got better seats for you. I said, okay. But before I left, I turned to the young man's date. And I said, you think this guy was cool bringing you here, but he's the biggest jerk I've ever seen. And she looked at me and shook her head yes. (laughs) And what's the point you're trying to make? You can put up a facade. People do it every Sunday morning. You can put up a facade on the outside, but at some point or another, your true nature, your true character will be revealed. It will come out. Amen. And the usher ushered us up the stage steps onto the stage behind the curtain and set up some chairs for us, and we got to view the whole concert from on the stage. Wow. And the other singers, they had guys that would come in beforehand. They would come in. We got to greet them, shake their hand, get their autograph, do all that kind of stuff, you know. Amen. And, well, anyway, let's get off of that. I kind of got hot just thinking about that story right now. (laughs) A person's reputation is important, but it's not their character. It's not their character. There have been times, uh, again, I've read a book and I thought it was by the cover, I thought it was great, but then after I got into it, it wasn't great, and I, I stopped reading it and closed the book. And sometimes we're impressed by the perception of someone until we get to know that someone, and when they don't measure up to the cover, we stop reading and we close the book on that someone. One of our great presidents that we look to is a guy named Abraham Lincoln, and he was describing the difference between character and reputation And Abraham Lincoln said, character is like a tree, and your reputation is like the shadow of the tree. I like that. The shadow is what we think of when we see the tree, but the tree is the real thing. So if character isn't your reputation, and character isn't what people see when they look at you, then what is it? What is character? Let's talk about it. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is a real thing. What is character? What is character? Well, reputation is who people think we are. But character is who we are. That was deep theological truth. I wanted to share that with you. If you don't get anything else today, you're going to get that. Reputation is who other people think you are. Character is who you really are. Actually, character is who you really are when nobody else 
is looking. When nobody else is around. And we think there's no chance we'll ever be caught because nobody's here looking over our shoulder to see if we're sneaking that hostess Twinkie. Right? Oh, yes, I hear that. You think you'll never get caught. But it's how we behave then that reveals our character. Character actually is the very essence of who you are. And it's not who you are only when things are going well. It's not when the kids are all behaving. And you have more money than you can spend that month. But character is who you are when you're tired. Hello? And when you are hot under the collar... And I was on that day. I'm glad I had good character that day. I would have told him he was more than a jerk. But I didn't. When you're angry, when you're stressed, when you're jealous, character is who you are when the doctor gives you a negative report, bad news. When you lose your job. When a loved one ends up in jail and they're calling you to bail them out. That's when character manifests itself. In Romans chapter 5, in our text, the word character is used, how that patient endurance develops character. The Greek word is dokime, character. And dokime is an interesting word because it means proven or tested or tempered. In our text, it said that we can rejoice when troubles come and trials because it develops endurance, and endurance develops strength of dokime. Dokime, which is character being tested. Dokime is used of metal when you put metal in the fire. You know what happens when you put metal in the fire? And you bring it out, you put it in water, and you can do that several times. It tempers the metal. It comes out stronger. And metal that's been put through the molten fire, it purges out impurities. It becomes stronger. When speaking of certain metals, we would call it sterling silver, perhaps, because it's been placed through the fire. When affliction is met with determination or fortitude... Out of the battle, a man emerges stronger, purer, better, and nearer to God. One of the great American preachers from the 1800s is a fellow by the name of Henry Ward Beecher. And this preacher of the gospel said, A man's character is the reality of himself. Whereas a man's reputation is merely the opinion others have formed about him. He said, character resides in you, but reputation resides in the minds of other people. Character is the substance, and reputation is the shadow. One of the great patriarchs and writers around the time of the Constitution was a man named Thomas Paine. He was a well-known philosopher and political writer, Thomas Paine. He wrote a little book called Common Sense. He was well-known for. Here's what he said. He said, reputation is what men and women think of us. 
but character is what God and the angels know of us. Wow. Regardless of wherever you go, and regardless of whatever you do, your character travels with you. It travels with you. When you're at work, your character traveled with you. When you're at play, your character traveled with you. If you're on a business trip in another city and you're in a hotel room all alone, you're really not alone because your character traveled with you. Now, your reputation, what other people think, may take you only as far as your graveside, your coffin, what people think about you, how they perceived you. But only you and God will know whether those perceptions were justified or not. Only you and God will know who you really are when no one else was looking. But at that point in time, when you stand before God, all that you will be holding in your hands when you stand before God is not your reputation, not what other people thought you were. That's your reputation. But what you will be holding in your hands is what God knows you are. It will be your character. Heed the words of Jesus Christ as He looked at the church. The resurrected Lord looked at the church in Revelation chapter 3. And in verse 1 He says to the church of Sardis, I know all the things you do. That you you have a reputation. And your reputation is that you are alive. But I know what your character is. You are dead. Wow. The Lord forbid that any of us would stand before the Lord and hear these words from Him. I know all the things you do. I know you have a reputation for being alive in God. Hello? But you're dead as a doornail. My, my. Now, most of us have learned to figure out how to portray ourselves in front of others, to put up a mask, a facade, hello, to protect our reputation. And we do this certain things, and we don't do certain things, but often doing or not doing it is simply because we either want it to be seen by others that we're trying to portray a certain way. And so we're advised very early in, in our mentoring process to dress for success. I understood that in Louisiana at a bank trying to make a deposit. Dress for success. It works. Amen. Politicians have been told, never be photographed with a beverage, uh, alcoholic beverage in your hand. They've been told, kiss babies, smile a lot. And pastors, we're trained in Bible college to avoid the very appearance of evil. I wish a few more of them would heed that advice. Amen. And so each of us, in one way or another, we are admonished to be on guard for our reputations. Which leads us really to, we've talked about the difference between character and reputation. We need to be on guard for our character too. But the question today is, how is character formed? How is character formed? 
Now, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to get into this a little bit, and we're just going to stop. Basically, character is formed by the choices we make. What are you talking about, Pastor Marcus? I'm talking about not only the choices that you make today, but also the choices that you made yesterday will impact who you are today. And the choices that you make tomorrow will impact who you are tomorrow and who you will be the next day. There was a lady who was incarcerated in Holland during World War II. Her name was Anne Frank, and she wrote a diary of her concentration camp experiences. And Anne Frank, a survivor of the Holocaust, wrote in her diary of her teen years hiding in the Nazi war-torn Holland and dying, really literally starving to death in a German concentration camp, she wrote, The final forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. It's your own choices. You get to decide, you get to determine by what you do, the kind of character that you're going to have. You see, spiritual character de development doesn't just happen on its own. It is an intentional process that involves us and involves the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you have to get involved in the process. You have to make some choices. Now let's go back to our text for just a moment and we're, we're going to wrap this up. The Apostle Paul is telling us in our text, in the context of what he's saying about the Holy Spirit developing character, it doesn't just happen on its own. Notice what he says. He says, we can rejoice. You know what rejoicing is about, don't you? We can say, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's rejoicing. We can rejoice too. Notice when we're rejoicing. When we run into problems and trials. How in the world could we rejoice about that? Well, you have to understand the result of that. For we know that they help us to develop patient endurance, and endurance develops character, strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, confident hope of salvation. And if you go back in this verse to the word character, dokime, we discover that dokime is, is, means to go in the fire. Character is developed through the fire, through testing, through trials, through the challenges of life, the hardships of life. Character is developed. When a piece of metal is put through the process of fire, it comes out hardened and much stronger than it was before. When the potter forms the clay, remember, he takes the clay, he smushes that clay. You ever felt like a piece of clay being smushed? You get, pow, popped on that wheel, and then you get spun around and around and around. And some of you may feel, Pastor, I've been on that wheel, I've been spinning around and around. And then he's not through with you. He molds you, he shapes you, and all that ain't good. Pow, 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 spin around and around, and you go. And then when he finally forms you, he's not through with you. He'll take a line and he'll get you off of the wheel, and he'll scoop you up, and then he's going to put you in the flames. And you're going to be in the flames for a while, the furnace. Amen. Then when you come out 
and you can cool down for a while, then He can use you. You can be a vessel of honor for the Lord's purpose. Amen. So here's the point. It usually isn't the good times in our lives that form who we are in character. They don't shape our character. And so my mother was right years ago. Those things that I did that I really didn't want to do, I did them because they developed character within me. And I submit to you today that when we go through tough times, challenging times, we sang about it this morning, about our soul being well. It is well with my soul. When we go through the tough times and you make it to the other side with God's help, you will be better for that experience. You don't see it at the time, but later you'll look back and you'll rejoice because through that you develop patience and endurance and strength of character as a result. Amen. Which explains why Helen Keller, who lost her sight and lost her hearing as an infant, was able to write, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself, I found my work, and I found my God. Wow. Yet others in similar circumstances become withdrawn and bitter. It has been said that we will either go through our problems or we will grow through our problems. And in the end, they will either make you better or they will make you bitter. But the choice will always be yours. It will always be our choice. Friends, you will never know how strong you are until you face adversity. And you walk through the fire. And you walk through the deep water. And the flames and the floods and all those things that you would go through. Isaiah 43 verse 2 declares, When you go through deep waters... I will be with you. Oh, praise God. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. Oh, praise God. Friends, whatever they are, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you're going through, He has promised He will be there with you. Amen. So the way that you develop character is by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to skip over uh, this next fellow here, Cavett, uh, and go to this verse here in Psalms. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're just going to stop. Let's just stop right here. We'll pick up later where we are. Amen. How many of you would say, Pastor Marcus, I want godly character to be developed in me. Anybody here want godly character to be developed in you? Let me tell you how it's going to happen. It's going to happen by the choices that you make. The choices you make. Now, open your bulletin, if you will. And there's a card in here that I'm asking you to make a choice. It's called My Commitment Card. It's not about giving money. Okay, so I'm going to take that off of your mind right now. My commitment. On Tuesday, we begin a 40-day emphasis on having personal devotions with God. We're taking the 29 days in February, 
And we're adding the last, last 11 days of January to get our 40 days. And on Tuesday, which is uh, the 20, what, 1st, 21st, we'll begin the last 11 days of January. And that's the first day of 40 days of intimacy with God. And I'm asking you to make a choice. Why would, why do, why would I need to do that, Pastor? Well, because it's your choices that determines your character development. Amen. And so I'm admonishing every person to choose to commit to at least 10 minutes of private Bible reading, worship time, devotion with the Lord for the next 40 days to make a commitment. And the minimum time I'm asking you is to give at least 10 minutes. Amen. And some will do more, 20 or 30 or even more in daily devotions. And I'm just asking you five days out of seven, just five days out of seven to do this. Now, some of you will do all seven, which is great. That's wonderful. So if you skip a day, don't get under conviction of that. Just pick up the next day as whenever you can. And I want you to sign your name to that. Amen. And I'm going to receive these from you in just a moment. I'm going to open my Bible and put it right here on the communion table. And before you leave today, I want you to come by. And this is between you and God. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to decide. I'm going to make a commitment uh, to have personal devotions with God. Amen. If you're physically unable to come down, hand it to, to your neighbor. They'll bring it down for you. How about that? Amen. Let everyone stand. Let's stand right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God. We're, we've got about halfway through today's message. But, Lord, it's a powerful word. And the word from God is simply that, uh, Lord, that there's a difference between our character and our reputation. We're trying to guard our reputation, what other people see. But, Lord, we can fake people out uh, of that. But, God, you see our heart. You know who we really are. And Lord, I pray, God, when I stand before you, I'm going to show you who I really am. It's not going to be my reputation. It's going to be my, my character. And my character is developed every day by the choices that I make. Pastor Marcus is challenging me today to make a godly choice for the next 40 days beginning on Tuesday.